You guys can have a seat. So every couple months, we do a Sunday, and we, and we highlight this idea of waking a difference, all right? It's a play on words uh, of make a difference, but since we call this wake, and you guys are in 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, we kind of bring up the idea of, hey, as a 6th, 7th, and 8th grader, you can make a difference in the world around you, in the lives of your friends, your classmates, your parents, your siblings, and then in the lives of people on, uh, in other parts of the world. And we highlight different ways and different students that are making a difference in other people's lives. Well, uh, this week is going to be a little bit different. Um, we're going to be highlighting invisible children and the work that they do and telling you guys how you can be involved in making a difference in that way. But before we do that, I want to tell you why we do this, why we take a whole Sunday to do this, and we coordinate and organize bringing in another group to kind of open your eyes to something. Philippians chapter 2 says this, It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. It goes on to say that our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Jesus, who was God, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. And Jesus humbled himself and he put on flesh like a human being and walked on this earth for 33 years and then he gave his life for you and me. And so to follow his example, we're to give our lives to others and not just live our lives for ourselves. But so many times we're guilty of that, right? I mean, you and me both, all of us, we just get caught up in our own interests. How's my test gonna go? How's my team gonna do? What does she think about me? Or what does he think about me? Or what do my parents think? And it's me, 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 my my siblings getting into my stuff. It's my turn to play video games. It's my phone, you know, whatever it is. And we get so caught up in our own interests. And so we just want to take a Sunday every once in a while to go, hey, there's someone else out there for you to think about. And they might be the someone sitting right next to you in class, or they might be the someone on the other side of the world. And so we've talked, uh, we did an event called Displace Me last year, and we've uh, highlighted this organization one other time here at Wake, but we've talked about a country called Uganda. Put up the map. All right, Uganda is a country in Africa. So on the left, you have the entire continent of Africa, and there's some of uh, the country's names are on there, and then you have Uganda, and then over here, you've got to zoom in a little bit. You've got Uganda stuck right in the middle of Rwanda, Burundi, Kenya, Ethiopia, Sudan, Congo. It's right there in the middle, all right? And there, here's, some, here's some information about this country and why we're focusing on it this morning. If you can put up the facts there, um, that'd be great. Uh, there has been a historic divisions in this country, all right? The North and South have been divided and at odds basically as long as the country's been around. And in 1986, the South kind of took over the official government of the country. But then in the North, this group formed called the Lord's Resistance Army. Now, it says Lord in there, but they're about nothing good that the Lord's about. And they started in the north, and they were led by a man named Joseph Coney. And he is a very evil man. There's no other way to say it. And so the LRA, the Lord's Resistance Army, here's how they built up their army. They started going into villages and towns and abducting children. That means kidnapping them. And they kidnapped 25,000 plus right there at the beginning. And all of a sudden, it sent all of northern Uganda into chaos as this evil man and his partners in crime we're kidnapping children and training them to be soldiers, all right? So there's chaos and terror. Let's go on to the next slide. So then here's what the government did, this, the southern government that was kind of in charge of the country. They decided to start these internally displaced people camps. Now, here's what that means. They said, all right, here's what you have to do. We don't know when these guys are going to strike. We don't know what village, what town they're going to come into, and we don't know how to protect you because they're sneaky, all right? They're kind of off the grid and off the map. 
And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to make these big camps and put a big fence or wall around them. And we're going to make you leave your home, leave your town, leave your neighborhood, leave your village. And you've got to go and just live in this camp because it's the only way we know how to protect you. If you're outside of the camp, we can't promise any protection. You're on your own. But if you want to keep your kids from getting kidnapped and your family from getting killed, you've got to go into these camps. So 1996 is when they did this. They moved 1.8 million people. That's more than the entire population of Dallas. You guys get this? The entire population of Dallas. More than that, they moved them into these camps. And they were forced to move out of their homes in the camps. In the camps, at the beginning, it's, uh, the statistics said that 1,000 people died each week. And 50%, half of the people in the camps were under 15 years old. And so this is a problem. Um, what do we have next here? We have, yeah. And so someone that has lived through this problem is a young lady named Lillian. And at uh, Displace Me and Another Time at Wake, we showed a film called Go, talking about a club you could start at your school called Schools for Schools. And in that film was a young lady named Lillian. And so what we want to do is not show you the whole film because it's like 40 minutes long. We're going to show you the trailer for that film. But before we do that, I want to introduce to you someone that's going to be kind of sharing with you throughout the day. And there's other representatives this morning that are going to share. But I want to introduce uh, the, one of the roadies from Invisible Children. His name, you won't believe it, is Taylor Swift. So Taylor, come on out. This is literally his name. All right. I don't know if you've ever heard of Taylor Swift, but she's a girl that sings songs. But this is the, the male version. And he's older than her, right? Yeah. Uh, is, it, is it not on? Aaron, oh, you got the handhelds on? On, test. There we go. Um, he actually writes most of her songs, uh, but it says Taylor Swift on there. Uh, he performs some of them on the album, right? Yeah, it makes it easier because that's why all of her songs say written by Taylor Swift when there's just more than one. Yeah, so she, she, cha- she actually changed her name to Taylor Swift so she could use you as a songwriter. Right. She loved my lyrics so much. She's like, well, I got to get in on those. Yeah, and you used to have longer hair. She totally stole your style also. Yeah, but I had and to cut the cut hair off because I couldn't keep curling. It just takes forever. And, and then also, it was just, I don't know, once she got, like, the look and then in publicity, it was just hard to go with. All right, I'm going to stop making fun of Taylor now, and I'm going to let him tell you more about what's going to happen this morning. So thanks for being here, Taylor. Awesome. Thanks, David. Um, so, yeah, my name is actually Taylor Swift. Um, I am a roadie with Invisible Children. I'm a volunteer. Um, I've been traveling across the country from California with my teammates. There's a couple of us in the back, Jolia and then Lillian and Benna. Um, and Lillian and Benna are from Uganda. They, um, as you can see with the picture here, um, they lived in the IDP camps. They are here to tell their story because it's one thing to see the numbers, it's one thing to see the facts, and to see what's just, just numbers and places, but it's a completely different thing to hear it from their mouth, to see their faces up here on stage, and to be able to connect with them. So that's what we're trying to do with this tour is we want to be able to sp- spread their story. We're giving them a place so that they can advocate for their fellow students, their friends that aren't as privileged, and try and create positive change in, nor- in northern Uganda. So, like David said, we're not going to watch the full film today. We're going to watch a quick trailer just to give you guys an overview, or if you have seen it before, to kind of uh, spark that remembrance of what you saw. And then we're going to show an update film that shows more how you can get involved and a little bit more about Lillian. And then you're going to get to hear from Lillian and Benna themselves. They're going to come up and speak to you. And then we'll be able to open it up for some questions. And, uh, and then we'll be back in the back outside um, to be able to talk to you guys. And so you can talk to Lil- Lillian and Benna more if you have more questions for them. So if we could go ahead and roll the, uh, the trailer, that would be awesome. Hi, everyone. My name is Jolia, and I hope that that trailer sparks your memory about what happens in Go. 
It's a film about a group of students quite close to your age that got the chance to go to northern Uganda with Schools for Schools. While they were there, one of the girls named Brittany in particular met my friend Lillian and became really good friends with her. My friends and I, including Lillian and Benner, we are here today to remind you about what Invisible Children is and to invite you to get involved in our movement. We believe that this war needs to end, and we believe that conflicts like this don't need to happen ever again. And the way that we think that should happen is through education. Education in northern Uganda isn't free, even for high school, even for junior high. So if you all were living in Uganda right now, you would be paying money to go to school. And a lot of children in northern Uganda don't have the funds to go to school. So we really believe that educating students and teaching them about how important they are and how special they are is how we are going to make sure that wars like this don't happen in the future. So we're going to show you a quick clip to tell you how you can all get involved with that today before you leave church to make sure that our friends in northern Uganda never have to go through anything like this again. So we're going to show you a quick clip that's going to tell you how you can do that, and then Lillian and Benna will be up to share their stories. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Ajok Lillian. I'm so happy to be here with you today. And I'm here to share with you my story. I was born in northern Uganda, and I was born in the period when this war had already begun. And growing up like a child was not easy. Life was hard because of the injustices that was going around. There was, like, we were living on food given by the UN. There was hardly water enough, like, to sustain the families. Everything was not easy. We would, like, hear gunshots every day because the rebel would come, like, an attack. So we lived in fear. We were scared of being abducted. But I want, I'm so happy because I'm one of those few lucky ones who I was not abducted, and it was only by the mercy of God. But I have cousins, family, friends who were abducted, and like in the process of the war, I happened to lo I lost my dad to the war, which was when I was very young, as like as young as four years. And at that time, I had I was like being raised by my uncles. So when they took me up, they started paying me in school. And growing up with them was also not easy because they had their other children. So I didn't really get the attention that I needed like a child. Like there was no one to talk to. All that I would do was sometimes I would like sit in a corner and just cry because everything was hard. Everything was not nice. I did not trust myself because no one told me the good things that I needed to hear as a child. Like compliments and all things, so it was hard for me to believe in myself. It took me so much time. So when I went to, I continuously went to school and like, in Uganda, it's only those that go to school that can speak English. So if I did not get the opportunity to go to school, I'd not be able to speak English. And very, people, very few people can speak English. And most of our parents are not educated. Most of our parents, because of the war, don't work and they basically have nothing that they do. They like farm some small piece of land and that's what they do, like to sustain the family. But as I went to school, as my relatives gave me education, I started realizing that it was only through education that we could make a change, especially with this war that has gone on for over 24 years. And in my school, there came a time that I was pushed off from my uncle's homes, the ones that were taking care of me, because they also had their many children and they could not continue taking care of me. That was a very hard part of my life. 
I was all alone in the world and the only person that I had was my grandmother. My grandmother was old. She instead needed me as I also needed her. So she also didn't get to live so much. There was no, there was like no proper care that she really got because of the war, the effect of the war. She died. I always feel like she died because there was really no one to take proper care of her. So she passed away and as left alone, plus my other siblings. Then I went back to my head teacher because I dropped out of school. I, like my principal, I asked her if she could accept me, like continue with my education because that's what I really wanted. I wanted to like study until one day I get to college and perhaps get a good job and go back home to Northern Uganda and like give the best leadership that I can. So when I spoke to my head teacher, my principal, she accepted because she said she saw through my grades and said, yeah, you've been performing well. You can like come back and join. So I started going to school. She was like paying for my school fees at that time. But after that, I didn't know where life would push me. I didn't know whether I would be able to like make it to college or something else like that, but I wanted that very much. So in my school, I was elected the head girl of the school. The head girl is like the topmost student leader. And at that time, I experienced, I learned a lot from leadership. And I, that's when I realized that I had the potential to also do great things. That's when I like started rebuilding my self-esteem. Then as like, time went on, it's through this position, the head girl position, that I got to meet Invisible Children. And when I met Invisible Children, everything in my life changed. Like, as I speak now, I'm doing a diploma in information technology, and I'm very happy. And Invisible Children has assigned me a mentor. A mentor is like a parent. They follow you up in school. They see if, if you're sick, they, they like do everything that a parent does. So since then, my life has changed. I'm happy. And this morning, we I have my my mentor here, and she's Bena. She'll be talking to you soon. And it has really made a change in my life. So I had to like come off from school because I'm a first year in college. Had to give off my first semester to come here to advocate for the other children who have not got the same opportunity that I've got. In Uganda, it's only 1% of girls that get education, high school education. 99% of them are left out, and this is a great challenge. It's only because I know that it's only through education that we can make a difference in this society, in this community that has known war all through this time. Because all that these young children know is, since most of them were abducted by the rebel leader, taken to the bush, like forced to kill their parents, they fear like it's hard for them to like come back in the society and like get along the way they used to be. So when they are convinced to come back and they come back, it's they need to go through rehabilitation, they need to go through education, and that's the only thing that can make a difference in their lives and like change their lives. So I'm here asking you, let's join hands and make a difference in the world. Because we are young, we are the future leaders of tomorrow, we are the ones who can change the world. A war that is going on in northern Uganda may not affect you directly, but it can also affect you. Imagine if a young child who is young and is not able like, to decide for themselves is like abducted and used. You know, this is like terrorism. It's not good. It's bad. It's something which is very bad. So let's join hands and fight for the education for, of these young, other young people that are left back in northern Uganda. 
Thank you so much. You can talk to us. We'll be behind outside. We have merchandises and scholarship. You can see where you can feed. Thank you so much. Thank you again. Bena. Hi. Praise God. Uh, I'm so glad to be here with you. You know, I'm really like looking at your faces, seeing your smiles, and when I refer back to Uganda, most of the kids who are at your age, they really, they can't smile. You never see a smile on their face. What they know is killing, abducting, and you know, their lives is not the same like the life you have. So when you see your faces like this, so we get so much encouraged, and we get so much like, oh, when will Uganda one time become like you people? When like you stand and you see like you're smiling, you're singing, praising, you know, you know that God is the only person who can make a difference in your life. So I want to share with you just something very brief. As Liliana stated, I am her mentor. I check her results at school, I move with her along and I guide her. If she's going wrong, I try to bring her to the right path. Uh, my name is Lanyero Bena. I come from Uganda, East Africa specifically in Gulu, northern Uganda, is in the northern part of the country. In Uganda, it was hard to grow, especially in northern Uganda, it was really a hard time. Even me, I had time, it was hard, but thank God we persevered. And you people, I want to say, you are really blessed to know God at this age, and you are really blessed. Please congratulate yourself for being who you are, for where you are, because so many kids in northern Uganda yearn for this kind of life, but they've never had it. They've never experienced it even if once in their life. Some of them have never even dreamt of like seeing peace in their life. But thank God you have it. And please, I want to tell you students, you like young kids, that you go back to your parents and appreciate them because they've done a lot in your life. They've done great in your life. To see you smile and be here, it is their work. So. Remember to every day thank your parents for that. And as I mentioned, Northern Uganda was not easy to live in. Me, I left in the, this place come where you saw in the, in the documentary. I left for seven years and it was a hard tack. It was hard, but we had to persevere. And then secondly, I want to say that at times it is hard to know that God works in your life. But when you pass through problems, you learn that God works. And that was a time that I got to know that without God, nothing is possible in this world. And without God, you can never do anything. Me and Lillian, we are among the few who escape abduction. But as we were living in the camp, so many girls were, so many girls were raped by adults. People were like 57 years raping a child who is like 8 years, 9 years, 6 years, you know. So you can see a child who is traumatized right from the beginning. And then you imagine what kind of life will that child live. A girl at eight years has been raped. She's like totally distorted in the brain. And they're there to pass through those traumatic situations. And most of those kids who are living in the camp, they didn't have their parents. Most of their parents were killed. So as a young child, you go back to your house, to the hut where you're staying with your other siblings. And you nurse your trauma there. Nobody's there for you. Nobody cares, you know. So long... Once it has happened, it is you and your, the other siblings to like persevere and try out to console yourself. 
So we have so many kids who return from the bush. They are traumatized. What they know is killing. What they know is looting. If you want to have anything, you should loot. And the only way that we think it will help these people, and we believe in it, that it will help this kid to come back to their normal senses and to rebuild their brain, because this is a kid whose brain has been brainwashed. So it is only through education that we believe their life can be changed, that we believe their brain can be changed, that we believe they can be changed to make like future leaders and become like better citizens in the next world to come. I know we are the youth, we are the generation to come. We are the people to make the change in this world. One thing that you do to change the life of a child in northern Uganda, in one way or another, will affect the whole world, will change the whole world. Because if you, see, if you can see, I know we have different colors, but we are, we are the same. There's nothing different in us. You know? It is just because of the locations of where we are, that's why we feel like, we are somehow different, you know? We are all human beings. We, we serve the same God. The same worship and the same song that you sing here. It is that song that we sing in Uganda, so we are the same. So I want to say thank you so much. May God bless all of you. Thank you. And I want to call to Taylor to come up. For when you have questions and comments, you can answer some few, then the rest will be at the back there to answer your question. Thank you so much. Do you guys have any questions for Lily and Benna? Yes. Night commuting. Night commute. Yeah. yeah. Did you do that or know anybody that did? At that time, when people were night commuting, I was in high school and I was in a boarding school. So we lived in school. But in the nights when there were gunshots and everything, our teachers and administrators in school would come like in our dormitories where we sleep. Then they would tell us, we've had rumors that these people are nearby, meaning the rebels are nearby and they may like attack in the night or something like that. So they would tell us like, because we had double-decker beds, so they would tell us those who are sleeping up should get down, would like squeeze, because we, imagine a room like this would have like, about 50 double-decker beds, so we'd like squeeze them together and would get under the bed. That's where I would stay. Then in the night, we would like hear gunshots. You sleep, you squeeze yourself in a way that you can't turn, you sweat because you're scared. Then if it's morning, you just can't believe it's morning. So I didn't really get to sleep with the night commuters, but I was at school experiencing a different kind of life. Thank you. How many times did that happen? It it happened because the rebels would like just attack. So it happens. I just can't even remember how many times it happened. It would happen like for years. The times like things would go quiet for a while. Like maybe they would like, you know, they just attack. They won't tell you when they're attacking. So it happened for quite some time. What were you going to say, Dana? Yeah, at times it happens like on daily basis, you know, like at times you wake up in the morning and you find like the neighbor, like the nearby people who are nearby the school, all the places have been burned and some people have been killed, you know. So it was like ev things that were happening every day. But as the situation continues, at times it would happen like once in a week, twice in a week. So it was like, you know. Then there is one thing. There was a neighboring boys' school that was close to my school. It was a Catholic Christian school that the rebels attacked and they 
abducted children. They took very many boys and very few of them came back. They walked with them and those that came back just managed to escape. Others that resisted were shot. Some boys were like killed and it was bad because it was very close to my school. Yeah. They were, it was also a boarding school like mine. Somebody has a question. Yes, where's, yeah. Very loud. Say it again. He said that the rebels randomly go around shooting people. They did that, especially around 1996, 98, 99. Those were very terrible. That was really, you'd like hear bombs and gunshots because even the government soldiers sometimes would like attack and civilians would like get shot. There was that kind of random attack. But um, the happy thing is, that right now there is relative peace in northern Uganda. We've experienced relative peace for two years, and this rebel leader, Joseph Kony, has moved to Sudan and to Congo, but he is still attacking people the way he used to do in Uganda. And you don't know what he's, nobody knows what he's thinking. Maybe he may decide to come back to northern Uganda. That's why there's a bill that's, maybe Taylor can talk more about that bill. Um, yeah, so just to, uh, what Lillian was saying is that he is moved to the surrounding countries. Um, just last week, there was an attack on a village in Congo, and I think 30 were killed and 8 were abducted. So it's still very much going on. And like Lillian brought up, the bill that we have is called the LRA Disarmament and Northern Uganda Recovery Act. So it's a two-part bill, and it's basically um, challenging our government to get a plan in place that we can assist the Ugandan government in disarming and apprehending Joseph Kony and then helping to rehabilitate the child soldiers and help rebuild the country. So that's what the bill's about. I hate to do this, guys, and if you have more questions, it's great. But church is out, and so we've got to dismiss here in a second. Not yet, um, but if you want to go tell your parents that you want to talk more, uh, they're going to be up here. Uh, I want to show you. I'm wearing one of their T-shirts. We've got this T-shirt, this T-shirt, uh, their sweatshirt. Um, they've got all this stuff for sale out there. Great way to raise awareness about what's going on. They have bracelets, they have videos, all that stuff. The, the scholarship fund uh, that you heard about, uh, they've got that available out there. That little notebook that has all the information is out there. All that stuff, you buy it and the money goes back to Uganda. If you want to grab your parents, come back up, look at that stuff. Also, talk to them. They're going to stay there. Uh, you can talk to them about starting a club in your school to raise awareness and funds to help out. Um, there's so many things you guys can learn and do through this organization. Also, you can visit watermarkworldwide.com, um, and that's uh, where our church is doing things in all the countries they just mentioned, in Uganda and Burundi and Congo and Sudan, all around that area. You can find out more there. Uh, here's the last thing that uh, I want to tell you guys is um, make sure you don't forget this when you leave. And this is what struck me. I don't know what hit you about what they said, but when uh, Benno was talking about all of our smiles and saying that the kids there that are your age, she doesn't see them smile very much. Uh, but to come in here and to see you guys smile and sing was very encouraging to her. And the thought that I'm leaving here with is I want to share my smile with someone who doesn't have it. And by connecting and investing in an organization like this uh, that's on the other side of the world, you can share your smile with a kid that doesn't have a smile. So leave thinking about that. Let me pray, and then I have one announcement, and you guys can take off. Uh, dear Lord, I thank you uh, for these uh, courageous, brave young women who have been through so much uh, and have left their homes and everything they've ever known and come here to travel around in a van and uh, ask for help. And I thank you for the humility 
that they display in asking for help, and, and uh, I pray that we would respond and do that and help them and their fellow countrymen. Uh, thank you uh, for the example that you set and how to consider others' interests beyond our own. I thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.